Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. This is part three of the book of Jonah. Out of part four, we have four parts of Jonah. This is part three, and we want it to be a different experience for you. And then we'll close it out next week. Uh, But let's review just a little bit. Now, we talked about last week that Jonah, God wanted to teach Jonah some lessons. He also wants to teach us lessons. Now, the lesson last week was that God is sovereign. He can do anything he wants to do with whomever he wants to do it with, when he wants to do it with. God is not limited to uh, anything whatsoever. He's the God of all creation, and all of creation is subject to him under his command. So we talked about that last week. I want to review that. Uh, Let's go to Jonah, and let's go to uh, chapter 1, and let's look at some of the things that God did to show Jonah uh, who he was. Now, also we said that when God deals with Jonah, he's dealing with other people also. When he deals with me, he's dealing with other people. When he's dealing with you, he's dealing with other people. God does not uh, just teach you something and it doesn't affect anyone else. That's not God. God has multiple purposes and he does a lot of things. In verse 4, it says that God whirled a great wind on the sea. So he showed Jonah that he can't run from his presence. And we know that Jonah was down and sleeping in, in, the, in the ship, and even though the ship was about to wreck and break up. So we don't know how in the world that happened except by the grace of God. And we know that the captain approached Jonah, an unsaved person, and asked Jonah to get up and pray. And we said in verse 7 that they cast lots to learn exactly who it was that was that was causing a problem, and the lots fell on Jonah, which was a miracle also from God. And we said in verse 14 that uh, the sailors called on the Lord, Jehovah, and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us, let us perish on account of this man's life. So we know that they were calling upon the Lord, uh, the big G, even though they were calling on their small Gs before that. And we know they picked up Jonah, threw him in the, in the uh, sea, and the sea immediately stopped roaring and raging, which was another miracle of God. And we know that the men, in verse 16, they feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to God, and they also vowed to God. So we know that a lot of things God was doing to show his sovereignty. And we ended up in verse 17 and said that they, the Lord appointed a great fish and swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And we said that we don't know what kind of great fish it was, but we know it was a great fish. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a whale. It doesn't necessarily have to be a shark. It can be whatever God wants it to be. God is God. And so, therefore, we know it was a great fish. When it says three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, 
When it says three days and three nights, it doesn't mean that it was in there and he was in the, in the, in the belly of the fish for 72 hours. It means that uh, it needed one day, full day of 24 hours. And then it can be part of two other separate days. And that's the same thing with Jesus. Uh, if you say, well, well, Jesus was in the heart of earth three days and three nights. Was it really three full days? Was it 72 hours? Or was it part of two days and 24 hours of one? And that's what it was. Uh, because we know he was crucified on a Friday, and then uh, we know that Saturday uh, he was in, in there, and then on Sunday he rose again. So, but it wasn't Sunday night after 72 hours. It was, it was actually uh, part of that Sunday. So it's the same thing with Jonah, and God spoke of that in Matthew, and we went through that. Now, what we want to do is to, to realize from the word of God, and I want you to be able to share with anybody that there is nothing impossible with God. And see, if, if you don't know that, we are going to rely on circumstances. We're going to rely on doctors. We're going to rely on what people say. We're going to rely on what we see because of that. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Let's go over there and see what was happening in Luke. This is an account where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her she's going to have a child. And she, of course, said, well, how am I going to have a child? I'm a virgin. You know, I've never known a man. And he said, was the Holy Spirit going to come upon you? Uh, let's, let's pick it up. I'm going to pick it up in, uh, in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Now, Barren people don't have children, of course, you know. And if she was in her old age, which Elizabeth was, they don't have children. And so it says that nothing for nothing will be impossible with God. That's scripture. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 37. And you can always go to that and share it with your friends, share it with someone you, you, who are going through some hard times and who's looking at situations, and you say, well, look, let me tell you something. Don't worry about that situation. Don't worry about what you see. Don't worry about what you say, what, 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 what somebody say. Don't worry about what the doctor said. Let me tell you something. Don't worry about what this person said. You, you just depend upon God. What did God say about your situation? That's what we need to know. What did God say about your situation? Because whatever God says, if you will lean upon that, if you will have faith in that, nothing will be impossible with God. Now, did he show Jonah that nothing was impossible with him? He did. And we can bring up people after people just here today, and you would already know that, Oh, that's true. Nothing is impossible with God. Because all of you have had a miracle in your life, I'm pretty sure. 
And if you haven't, let me tell you one. A miracle is that you're born. That's a miracle. I don't know how in the world God can get you, me, out of the two cells that he connected together. I don't know how in the world he does it. I don't know how in the world my eyes got where they were, the nose got, I don't know how in the world all these vessels, all these, I don't know how in the world all these organs got, I don't know out of these two little, I don't know. Do you know how you, how, how you came into existence? Except that God said, this is what's going to happen. That's all he said. For you to be born again is a miracle. I'm telling you, it's no way possible for anyone to be born again unless it's a miracle from God. Because God already said, he said, no one can come to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. And God said, no one can come to Jesus unless he's drawn by the Father. It's impossible. It has to be drawn. How in the world can somebody who, who hates God, who doesn't like God, who's born a sinner, who's, who's really a, a child of the devil, how can anybody like that become a child of God? A miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So we, we can have testimonies, uh, but I want to share with you that there are many people who are going through hard times. And if they're not going through hard times right now, they will be. And they need somebody to encourage them that you just hold on tight. Don't you lose your faith. God will come through for you. They need somebody to be to say it and, and, and really say it with conviction. Not because it's head knowledge, but because it's, they, they, they are convicted that this is going to happen. Do you know it will be a miracle if some of your children get saved? I'm serious, because some, some, of, some, of, some uh, children in the body of Christ are away from God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not even interested in God. But it would be a miracle if God brings them back, right? But do you know that God can do that? He can do it. He can do it. So I'm telling you, I want you to remember that this is one of the lessons. Jonah is not about the greatness of a fish. Because most young people, most children, if you ask them anything about Jonah, they're going to talk about probably Jonah and the, and the whale. They're not going to talk about Jonah and the great fish because they're going to think it's a whale. It's up to you to teach them that. And they are at this time, right now, going through lesson number three, part three of Jonah, out of five parts. They have five parts of theirs. We have four. Uh, but they're going through the sovereignty of God. I don't call it sovereignty with them. We, we call it with them. God can do anything he wants to do with whomever he wants to do it with. Uh, so they're going through that at this particular time. Next week, they're going to get the lesson that you're getting this week. And you need to uh, talk to them about it. And they have a memory verse every single week. And the memory verse is the same memory verse. And you need to share with your children, okay, I want you to learn this memory verse. They get points every time they bring their Bible to 
kids' church. And you say, well, they don't need the Bible. They can bring their uh, electronic device. Well, most of the uh, <laughs> five, six, seven years, they don't have electronic devices. So uh, we're trying to teach them to bring their Bible uh, to uh, kids' church. We're trying to teach them to bring a friend. They'll get a point for, I think, two points for bring a friend. And they, they get points. So uh, talk to your children because they're going through the same uh, lessons that you're going through. And we have somebody uh, here that um, she uh, makes up the children's lessons. Um, I, 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 put them, I put my outline together, send it to Brandon. Brandon sends it to her. This is when to stand up and let people see you. This is when you win the hand. All of the children's uh, messages, and I saw some of them you did. They're, they're pretty. They're really nice, you know. Uh, so uh, know that there are people who are working on uh, teaching our children godliness. Okay? Now, let's go to another point of, of, of uh, Jonah. We said nothing is impossible with God. You think that what God has already done was great. But let, let's, let's share one other thing. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, all of you know the story. I'm pretty sure you know the story. In Daniel chapter 3, Daniel, um, he has some friends, and they call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were thrown in a fiery furnace. Is that correct? He was thrown in fire. Let's pick it up in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered uh, towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's because they wouldn't bow down to his, his image. And uh, he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace and a blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes and were cast in the midst of the blazing fire in the furnace. Now, know that we're talking about Something is heated so hot that the men who took them to throw them in died because the furnace was so hot. But they threw them in, and they're in the midst of it. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, this is verse 24, was astounded and stood up in haste, and he said to the high officials, was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly no king. He said, look, I see four men loose and walking about in the midst of the fire learning uh, without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of the blazing fire, and he responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
Come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the midst of the furnace. How do you come out of the midst of a furnace? I don't know how you come out. And, 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 and so here, here, you got, here you got they come out. And it says that, and the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was their hair of their head singed, nor their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. And you tell me, how can that happen? And we sometimes think, like me, uh, uh, if you can't tell, I don't know whether you can tell or not. I've had a, some kind of icky stuff, whatever it is, for months now. And I've had a cough. And Minerva said, you must love your cough, don't you? I said, well, why would you think I would love this cough? And she said, because you're not doing anything about it. You're letting it stay there. I said, what do you mean I'm letting it stay there? She said, you're not doing anything about it. Why don't you just speak to that thing? Why don't you just get rid of the thing? Don't you know who you are in God? Ooh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm supposed to be the pastor. Yeah, I'm supposed to know who, that, who I am in God. <laughs> do you know that all of us sometimes can get complacent with the word of God? We all can... Uh, just settle for whatever is going on because we, we think it's normal. We think that, well, no, we can't do anything about it. The doctor said he can't do anything about it. They've given me antibiotics. They, Man, I've taken uh, this Mucinex for now a whole week, you know. Oh, man, I'm taking that thing, drinking all this water. Man, sometimes I think I'm afloat, you know. Uh, <laughs> Took a cough drop this morning, you know. Uh, uh, thank you, Jesus. I got it across. I was checking my Man, I said, uh, last night we were over here praying, and, and I said, God, don't let attention be drawn to me with me coughing and coughing, cough, because if, if you're around me sometimes, man, I'll tell you, I, sometimes I get a cough, and I can't hardly stop. You know? And uh, Monero said, just trust God. The anointing will hit you, brother. You won't, you won't cough. I said, that's a woman of faith. I'm telling you, boy. She, she said, you got to, you got to, you got, but you got to stay in the word, don't you? You got to believe God. All of you have testimonies like that, but I'm telling you, sometimes we settle for things that we don't have to settle for. And I'm telling you right now, God is a powerful God that you serve. There is nothing too hard for him. Not a thing too hard for him. So I don't care whether it's you're barren. I don't care whether you're sick and the doctor said that you're going to die. I don't care whether you got a, a cough and it won't leave. I don't care whether you got a lack of finances and it doesn't seem like, well, how are you going to ever get finances? You don't have a job. How can you get it? Don't worry about how God can get it to you. He can get it to you. He, he, he is very creative, let me tell you. He is very creative. He doesn't have no problem feeding a prophet. He'll feed you with birds if he has to. Won't he? He'll rain down manna from heaven if he has to. There's nothing too hard for God. If you don't have any clothes, you can't buy clothes, you don't have any money, he'll make the clothes you have never wear out. God is an awesome God. And that's what Jonah teaches. Jonah teaches about the greatness of our God. 
not the greatness of a fish, not the, the disobedience of Jonah, or, or the greatness of the city of Nineveh, or the great, great Assyrian uh, empire. is teaching about the greatness of our God and the compassion of our God. That's what Jonah is teaching. Now let's talk about the compassion of God. We're in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. We just left off in verse 17. We know that Jonah has been swallowed by the fish. God has already shown his compassion to Jonah because he, he could have died, couldn't he? He could have died when they threw him overboard. But God sent a deliverer. Who was the deliverer? Or what was the deliverer? A great fish. Then Jonah, he's in the the belly of the fish, right? He's in the belly of the fish. So Jonah prayed to the Lord from the stomach of the fish. Now, please do not move out of your seat. Okay? Don't move out of your seat because you might get hurt. Okay? Uh, I'm serious. I don't want you to move. We're going to do some things that's a little different. Uh, Carl, can you do a. Thank you. Okay. Can you cut the computer off, sweetie? Now, just imagine that if you were would it be light or would it be dark? I actually Minerva and I actually went to see a movie well, it was a, not a movie, it was a play that was called Jonah. And at the Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster, California, I mean, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And actually, I was wondering, how are they going to do this thing with this fish? And the scenes were one way, and then all of a sudden, poof, it was dark. And everybody in the theater was in the fish with Jonah. And it was cool. So imagine that you are in the belly of the fish with Jonah. Okay. So Jonah prayed to the Lord from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out to my, of my distress to the Lord. So Jonah was in distress, but he was in distress in the water when he was thrown overboard. And he answered me, I cried for help from the death of Sheol. So he's, he's thinking he's, he's dying in this water, in the sea. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows 
passed over me. So even though he's in the belly of the fish, he's, he's praying to God and he's recalling being in the sea and what happened to him when he was in the sea. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. See, Jonah knew one thing, that he knew that I can cry out for mercy. And if I pray towards the temple, God will hear me. God actually didn't expel him from his sight. Jonah was trying to run from his sight, really. But he came to his senses. Verse 5, water encompassed me to the point of death. So we know that, that actually in the sea, he was almost going to die. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So we're talking about seaweeds now. We're talking about the man has gone all the way down to the, to the bottom of the sea with seaweeds wrapped all around the man's head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. So he's, he's down at the bottom of the sea. The earth with its balls was around me forever. So he knows he's about to die. But you have brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. That's the prayer of Jonah inside the belly of the whale. You can cut the lights back on. Now, I want to tell you that you serve a compassionate God. You really do. Salvation is from the Lord. He came to his senses and he prayed. I'm going to turn to Psalm 32, verse 1, because I want to stay on this point just for a little bit, is that the point God wants us to know today is that I am a compassionate God. If you ever sin, confess your sin. Repent from your sin. Call out to me. I will deliver you. That's the type of God you serve. I don't care what you have done today. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you do in the future. If you just remember today's lesson from Jonah is that God is a compassionate God. He's looking for repentance. That's what he's looking for, repentance. Let me read you a verse. I know you're in Psalm 32. I'm going to read you a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And it says, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. I'm telling you, godly sorrow 
produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow. Jonah was sorry for what he had done. Jonah had godly sorrow. It's not worldly sorrow. It was godly sorrow. From the, the, the reading of, of chapter 2, verses 2 through 9, you can tell that he had changed his mind. That's what repentance is. Repentance is changing your mind. It's not really just changing your direction. It's changing your mind. Because once you change your mind, you will change directions. Okay? People can change directions and never change their mind. In other words, you can tell a child, hey, look, you tell your, your, your sister, you tell your brother that you're sorry. They said, sorry. And they, it had nothing changed. All they did is did what you said. But they have never changed their mind. But if you say, if they have some godless sorrow for the way they treated their sibling, they will now repent and change their minds. I, I won't do that again because that's not right to treat, treat them like that. I wouldn't want them to treat me like that. I wouldn't want anybody else to treat me like that. I'm, I'm not going to do that again. God is looking for godless sorrow from us. And so if you can must up some godless sorrow from the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about uh, really deliverance because God will deliver you. Now we're in chapter 32, verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, listen to this now. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Do you know that as long as, as Jonah was going to say, I'm going to run from the presence of God. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to do anything. He can do what he wants to do with me. I'm never going to do what he tells me to do. He would have died in the sea. But he changed his mind. And God says that don't keep silent in your sin. Whatever you do, do not keep silent. Confess it to God. Confess your sin to God. He already knows anyway. Confess your sin to God and then do what God says to do and change your mind about what caused you to sin in the beginning. Just don't say, well, I'm sorry for that. I shouldn't have done that. And you turn around next month and do the same thing. That's not repentance. You're going to keep saying you're sorry, you're sorry, you're sorry. sorry. Well, how often will God forgive me? Well, seven times seven. How often does God want me to forgive somebody else? Seven times seven. Well, let me tell you something. God wants repentance. He's not looking for lip service. He's looking for repentance. It says so here. Then it says that I acknowledge my sin. This is verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's, that's Psalm, that's 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I say, I don't care what you've done. 
I said it. If you will confess your sin before God and if you will change your mind about your sin and ask God, God, help me never to do this sin again. I will. If you just lead me by your spirit, I will do what you tell me to do. God will deliver you. I'm telling you, he'll do it. Matter of fact, God said that there, there's no temptation taking you but such as common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way for you to escape. So don't say that, oh, the devil made me do it. The devil ain't make you do nothing. You know, James, in chapter James, it's our own sin, it's our own uh, mind, our own lust that causes us to sin. God says that I will forgive you. We need to be people who are willing to give people forgiveness, don't we? Because no one is without sin. No one. God has said himself that I'm a compassionate God. Let's look at it in Exodus chapter uh, 34, verse 6 and 7. Let's look there. It says, then the Lord passed by in front of him. That's when Moses said, show me your glory. He said, I'm not going to show you my glory because you can't see my face, but I'll show you my hindless eye. And he put him in the cleft of a rock and they passed by. Him. And the Lord said, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in love and kindness and truth. Let me tell you, quote that back to the Lord. God you said that you are compassionate. You said you are loving kind. You show mercy, God. You said that you forgive our sin. Because he says that he who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he does not uh, by any means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So we know what he said. And every man of God, whether it be Moses whether it be David, they cried out to God, quoting back to him what he has said about himself. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's merciful. God, show mercy on me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I have sinned upon you. Oh, let's go to, let's go to the, one of the great psalms. Let's go to Psalm uh, 51. Let's go there. Because you know that psalm. That psalm is the one about uh, David. After he has sinned with Bathsheba, you don't get much worse than to take a man's wife and then kill the man. I mean, kill the man. And David had many wives. And they're going to act like he he doesn't even know that he has sinned. God had to send a prophet to him and give him an analogy. And then he said, David, you are that man. Then David said, if David, David, David was a man after God's heart, but David has sinned greatly. So don't think anything that you've done is so great that God won't forgive you. Listen to what David said. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now that is somebody who's not making excuses. 
Do you know that most of us make excuses? Well, if she wouldn't have come over here. I called her, but she didn't have to come. She came. It's the woman you gave me, God. She's the one who gave me the fruit to eat. Everyone wants to make excuses. Let me tell you something. Learn in the four walls of your house not to make excuses. That's the best place to learn. In the four walls of your house, don't make excuses with your children or with your mate or with your relatives. Don't make excuses. When somebody brings you to account of something, don't start bringing something against them. You know, sometimes uh, somebody might say something to you. Uh, well, I thought you supposed, like Minerva could tell me, I thought you were supposed to uh, 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 clean the kitchen floor every week. Now, I don't clean it every week. Okay? The natural fleshly tendency is to say, yeah, but you're supposed to do this every day. You don't do it. I'm serious. Isn't that the natural fleshly tendency is to bring something against somebody else when they bring something against Instead of saying, you're right, sweetheart, I'm wrong. I should be cleaning that floor every week. Forgive me. I have sinned. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. I'm, I'm lazy. I don't want to clean this floor. And, and, and uh, <laughs> forgive me. I'm telling you the truth now because our kitchen floor hasn't been cleaned because I should clean the thing. I'm going to clean it this week, sweetheart. I'm going to clean it this week. You don't hold me to account of it because when I... <laughs> I'll report to you that I cleaned that floor. You know I'm not going to stand up and say, oh, I forgot to clean it. I'm not stupid. <laughs> but we, we, we do that a lot of times. If somebody brings some attention to you for something, you make an excuse for it. Well, I've been, I've been busy. Well, look, I, I, I cut the grass. I wash the dishes. I load the dishwasher. I fold clothes. What more do you want me to do, woman? My God. Right? Don't, don't we do stuff like that? Yeah. Instead of saying, I was wrong. Those are some sweet sounding words. Forgive me, I was wrong. Y'all need to practice it. Forgive me, I was wrong. Let's say it again. Forgive me, I was wrong. If you practice that and mean it now, I mean, you got to do it from the heart because God says he searches throughout the whole world, the whole earth, to show himself strong on those whose heart is fully committed to him, whose heart. So don't just give them lip service. It's your heart. Okay? Now, now, you will have an assignment, don't you? Okay? You'll have an assignment. I have an assignment. Grab the floor. You have, a, you have an assignment is to say, I'm sorry. I know you will mess up this week. I know y'all. I know y'all. 
So I want you to say it now. And, 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 and women, you tell me now if, if the man doesn't say it now because we are the ones that we don't want to say, I'm sorry. We don't want and, and men, tell me because women are notorious. They are never wrong. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you now. You, you let me know. You let me know. Lord, let me know if, if she doesn't say I'm sorry because I know she don't want to say it. I know it. I know it. But that's what God wants, and that's what David did, isn't it? That's what David did. He says that I have sinned against you and you only and done this evil in your sight. Then he says, verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of your gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face on Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a man who repented. That's what David is, a man who repented. That's how I want to, that's the kind of man I want to be. When somebody brings something to me that I have, have done or should have done and didn't do, then I have to repent. And, and, and I face that every day basically because I'm, I'm here with my daughter. Uh, and and uh, my daughter, Brandon, she's one that would tell me the truth. She would tell me when I'm not doing what I should do. She will. And, and she knows my personality. And she'll say, hey, why do you do this right here? That's wrong. I said, I'm the pastor. I don't care who you are. You, you, this is wrong. You're supposed to do what everybody else does. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Forgive me. I was wrong. Forgive me. We have to practice that, don't we? We have to practice that. We're going to practice that, aren't we? Okay, Ben, we're going to practice that? We're going to practice that. Okay. We're going to practice that. This is... This is really, I'm telling you, this is life and death. I'm telling you now. There's, in Christianity, there are very few Christians, very few Christians who are humble enough to say that they are wrong to somebody that's very close to them. Guarantee. They'll say it to their boss or somebody who they, they, they want to get paid, they don't want to get fired. But I'm telling you, you know, to your mate, to your children, we don't do it. And I'm telling you that if we will learn to do that, we will be, we will be graced with the anointing so much by God that is nothing that he wouldn't do for us and that we couldn't do to help others. Because it's rare in Christianity. Now, you know it's rare in the world. But I mean in Christianity, it's rare for people to be humble enough to say, I was wrong. Forgive me. I won't, I won't do that. I know I have sinned. I know, how, I know what the word says. I'm not doing it. And there's nothing I can do. I'm not making any excuses. I was wrong. 
Very few people. Very few people. Do you know many? No. No. So we try to do it in eldership because I'm telling you, even elders, Sam calls it putting on fig leaves and aprons, meaning that it's like um, Adam did uh, when he when he sinned. He put on he put on fig leaves and hid from God. But I'm telling you, it is rare for us as elders to be to not make excuses. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So this is the lesson that I want to I want to leave with you today, is that God is a compassionate God, and if we will repent, change our mind, meaning change our direction, God will deliver us. And in verse 10 of Jonah, let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 of Jonah, chapter 2, tells us after that awesome prayer that Jonah made, verse 10 said, Then, not before, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up into the dry land. Then, not before, then. So once you repent, then God will deliver you. Now, I don't know how far Jonah had gotten, but it must not have been too far because they tried to row back to the to land and they couldn't row back to the land. So uh, because the wind was against them, God wouldn't allow them to row back. So they didn't get too far. But once the once he was down in, in, the, in, the, in, in the depths of the sea and the, and the fish swallowed him, I don't know how long it was before Jonah, well, we know it was three days and three nights. We know it was part of, it was, it was 24 hours plus some hours of one day and the hours of the next day. So we know it was a little, some time that that fish was swimming around with Jonah in the fish. So it might have been circling around. I don't know what the fish was doing. But we know that Jonah wasn't going nowhere until he changed his mind. Once he changed his mind, then the fish, God commanded the fish, and the fish vomited him up on dry land. We're going to pick it up tomorrow. You can imagine, I mean, not tomorrow, I'm sorry, on next Sunday. Uh, We'll pick it up next Sunday. Jonah, now you can imagine, here's Jonah, seaweeds around him. Now, all of us have been sick before. If you haven't been sick before, you've had some children who've been sick before. Well, you've had some children that's thrown up before. Have, have, anybody had any children that's thrown up before? Yeah, you have children thrown up before. You know throw up is not good to clean up. But I'm telling you, imagine you in the throw up. Jonah was in the throw up. We'll pick it up there next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.